Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. And we are here to talk about the comics coming out on August 30th, 2022. Starting with DC's Save by the Bell Rev, number one. This is their back-to-school special. And I wanted to bring up something strange about this before we get started. I've noticed that all of these specials begin with DCs in front of them. And, like, the reason I noticed this was because I just wrote up the November solicits today. And the holiday special this year is called DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And it's just very strange that they put DC in front of all of these. Isn't it pretty <laughs> clear these are a DC book? <laughs> Um, yeah, but next year there'll be a Discovery Plus book, so... That's true. There we go. This is just timestamping it in the pre-Discovery Plus era. Got it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, this is a, a back-to-school anthology. There are, I believe, eight stories in this. Um, do you guys want to go through story by story? Yeah. Yeah, right. sure. So we start off with a Gotham Academy story called Sophomore Year, written by Becky Cloonan and Brendan Fletcher, illustrated by Carl Kershaw. This is, uh the beginning of the return of Gotham Academy. You know, the end teases that there's going to be more, and that's a, a lovely thing. Uh, we, we are all sort of famously pro-Gotham Academy uh, in the past, so I'm curious what you boys thought of this. Zach, let's start with you. What did you think of this uh, short story? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was cute. I thought it was delightful. I, I didn't like it quite as much as the backups that ran in Batman, I think, but it was... Uh... It was still it was still fun and I, and I I'm glad that we're getting more and uh, I I think it's a book that DC definitely needs to be giving attention to. I feel like this is the definition of a book that we all say like DC needs to bring this back, and then if it did come back, we would never talk about it. <laughs> um, just because. <laughs> No, I, I think I think I might actually. It might be one of the few books I would actually want to talk about. Okay, so just I feel like this is one of those different. books. That, I feel like it's good, but it's not necessarily like discussion worthy. Often, you know what I mean. Like it, all the all the discussion comes from like, man, this looks pretty. This is a clever script. There's not a lot of plot happening in it, and we tend to be better talking about plot stuff just because if we're covering it month to month, you know that kind of makes sense. Vince, what did you think of this? Yeah, I've same thing uh, you guys said. Although I, I think it feels like a goodbye. You know, um, I'm sure there'll be more of this down the road. Uh, it, it's it leaves it open to you know uh, maybe perhaps a new configuration of the characters or or something new in the future. But to to me, it really felt like a goodbye. Like like maybe we won't return to this you know um that's maybe more likely yeah <laughs> did, did i'm, I make going, up? To, oh, I'm go gonna plead the fifth on this because uh i slash we know something that maybe isn't public knowledge about this oh, okay so. good i thought i would okay never mind <laughs> oh well, well i don't but uh you you definitely do but that's okay i thought maybe i did i don't think that's gonna but happen I made it up. uh okay 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 or if it does, it's not going to be long running. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I I just have a feeling that it's going to be a that thing you're talking about is just going to be, especially with all the shuffling that's going on at D. I don't I don't believe anything at DC is stable. Okay, Brian. Let's just put it like that. Okay. Okay. Let's just say I don't believe that I don't believe there's a project out there that couldn't be canceled. <laughs> Uh, that's probably um, true, especially in light of things. Real. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I hope that's not true, but but I think but but you know either way, this story serves as this could be the final one if we never did another one, and that's okay. Like, it's 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 pretty heartwarming and, and melancholy to think about that, but. Uh, but I did while reading this, and 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 I thought, you know, they had a good run, even if this is it. Um, yeah, I just think this is this is such a sweet and, and improbable uh, series of stories uh, that has been running over the years, and like you said, really great to look at and really clever script, and 
always always had like a positive i feel like it's one of the most positive comics dc has had in the last 10 years or so or optimistic i should say um yeah yeah the, uh, optimistic is not a way i would have thought to describe it but that makes perfect sense yeah i like that all right well up next is a story called high school lows this is a um a Suicide Squad story, which, of course, we're all clamoring for more of. Written by Tim Seeley, illustrated by Scott Collins. I literally have only one note about this on my notes, which is that there's a panel of Takitani for no reason in this, which yeah. is delightful. But I wonder if that was part of the story and it got like, editorially nixed. And so they just put that in there as an, as like a uh, as a cover for it or if they just decided to include Takitani for no real reason. Either way, it's great. The rest of the story uh, I could do with that. It seems like it seems like a joke to me. I, I think it I think that bit is just a, a little one off joke. Would be Yeah, it just seems like something Tim Seeley wanted to do. I I liked the story. I thought it was fine. I think all all Suicide Squad stories should be like this. <laughs> Personally. Ten pages ten pages long. <clears throat> ten pages long and just kind of goofy. A lot of weasel mm-hmm. nut faces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even mind that. This is like um you know in the post James Gunn Suicide Squad world. This I, I this is a fine this is a fine book. I I liked it. I thought it was cute. Uh it uh it gave me some chuckles. And I and I really I genuinely like the Scott Collins art. Vincy I think you you it sounds like you liked it more than me. I, I thought it was just fine. Um I guess I don't care for the James Gunn configuration of the team. But to be honest, what Suicide Squad configuration have I ever been for? I think <laughs> um, I maybe am the, one. I think I maybe am the Suicide Squad guy of the G C three. Well you're the you're the James <laughs> I was, Gunn guy. I was just gonna say so. you're the James Gunn guy, that's why. Well, but I also I was probably the highest on the um shit what was um Tom Taylor? No, before that. The one Rob the, Williams? Yeah, I was probably the highest on the Rob Williams run. Oh, that's wild. Well, I feel like I was the only one who ever had anything good to say about that book. I, yeah, probably. I guess so. Especially, I don't, especially I don't, when JRJR was on the book. Well, that's that's why too. <laughs> we're, we're yeah, just I don't even remember your, that happened. We're just identifying all of your issues right now. Actually, that, actually, that book, I really did dig the art throughout that book a lot because I liked the Jim Lee art and I liked the JRJR art. Oh man, that book looked really good. Mm. <laughs> uh. I bet I could write a good Suicide Squad book. <laughs> DC, take him up on that challenge. Let Zach write the Suicide Squad. <laughs> That's something we need to do one day. I'm going to put that in the next Q&A. Uh, if what, uh, like, feel the Suicide Squad book. Because we always do, like, Justice League or some other team. I feel like we never do a Suicide Squad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that out there. Okay. Go for it. Oh, well. Uh, next up is a Green Arrow and Speedy story called Earn It Back, written by Dave Weigoltz, illustrated by Mike Norton. Uh, Mike Norton is the best. Let me just start with that. Mike Norton's art is so good. Well, wait. Did you skip the Super Sons? They were... oh, I'm sorry. I did. My apologies. Super Sons in Back to School by Peter Tomasi and Max Rayner. My apologies. <sighs> this was something. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we should have skipped this one. I don't really know how to how to tackle this one i will say this this is written like the most um out of touch dad is trying to relate to his kids and it's very well intentioned yeah i don't i don't want to like shit on this at all because it is doing something nice and we have we have often um Maybe unfairly, I don't really know Malign Tomasi of late, uh, and he, he's doing a good thing here. But this is a, this is essentially like how to explain 
being trans to uh you know it's like an 80s after school special thing yeah I don't, you know yeah, it's it, real and maybe that's what he's going for with the like saved by the bell reeve theme i don't know it uh it reads like something that would be good for an eight-year-old to read yes which is fine. Mm, they they don't allow those books in American schools. Anymore. You're right. That's you're true. right. That is very true. It is very um, true. Yeah. 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 No, I, I I think you guys are right, but I think maybe you're also being a little hard on it. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, I think that you know, if 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 we had any kind of audience or like a different audience, uh, I'd probably get yelled at for saying this, but I feel like comics should this is more what superhero comics should do than uh, a lot of people want to keep politics and social issues oh, and stuff i'm uh, not mad at that no, part I know, of I, at all I, i'm yeah. not saying you are just okay. let me fucking finish all right uh, <laughs> uh uh you know this harkens back to there was a there was a period in comics where uh social issues were being broached uh even more often than than they are these days i think and and if you ask like comic skaters that they would disagree but it's true i think like i think comics have moderated that stuff in such a way where like they put they put it off in little corners now um and i think the, the people that get mad can look around and find that stuff to get mad at if they want to. But I think like there was a time in comics where they were very in your face with stuff like that. And it to, to both good and bad, like a lot of stuff was very clumsily written, uh, you know, a decade or two ago about like gay characters in comics, let's say, you know? Yeah. Just, just look um, back to like the, um, the Joe Winnick green, La green lantern stuff. Yeah. Yep. Let's say no that. more. Um, yeah. And, and so I think like, you know, it's people who read comics um, can be impressionable, and especially if you give them to like a, like younger people to read. Um, if there's a chance that this gets into a younger person's hand, you know, like that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, well, that's and, what I said. Even yeah, I know. I'm agreeing with you there. Um, but it is it is a little clumsily told. It is after school, especially, but. I do think that's what it's going for. I, I think it's, I think it's well intent. And I didn't, I didn't uh, think anything about it was problematic. Like, even though oh, I don't, I didn't either. It's yeah. Just, I just thought it was like very, um, the level at which it was written was clearly, clearly not meant for me. And I would think clearly not meant for anybody like over the age of like 16, maybe. Uh, that's generous. I was going to say 12. Uh, yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm trying to, yeah. Um, although there probably are some, like, 30-year-olds out there who need this real bad. Oh, but, yes. well, that's, yeah. Yeah, but, but, like... That's exactly my point. Like, not that not that any minds are necessarily going to be changed. Yeah. But I, I like... That is, that is a better illustration of my point. Yeah. I like that DC is willing to do this. They're not... Because there's, you know... Here's my point this very easily could have just been a story in the pride special, right? Yes. Instead, you got this story in a, oh, I don't even know what this special is really about. Is it about back to school? Is that yes. what it is? Yes, it is. Okay. Clearly. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so again, like people who hate this kind of stuff in their comics are going to read it and get mad, but they were, they're getting mad anyway. It's just, it's not a bad thing to be exposed to this stuff outside of corners where you would normally expect to find it, you know? And I think like it's a sign of progress, even if it's not the most elegantly written thing that this story was not just relegated to the LGBTQ plus special, you know? Sure. And, and um, that's a very valid point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's more what I'm getting. That's more what I'm getting at. Like, I guess, I, guess like, I just maybe maybe this is maybe I'm not right about this. I, I guess I just feel like, especially like D 
DC comics of late, like the mainstream DCU has been pretty progressive and it's, it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so this thing didn't feel particularly to me, it didn't feel like particularly, um, unique or anything in that way, or like breaking any, any kind of ground outside of maybe other DC stories, and, and, and yeah, maybe, you know, my, uh, I, I can, I can at least admit that like my gut reaction was just like, maybe a little too harsh of like, wow, this, this is written at such a low <laughs> level, but like, again, like thinking about the school, spe- the school theme of this and, and maybe Tomasi is like going for a thing and, and it's like totally fine for, comics to be written for that age level i think i am very used to like having reading comics that are written for like a you know teenager or above level and there's even there's a comic in there's a story in this that is geared more towards like the younger level and it's kind of coded that way visually plus like you know just the history of that comic you know what it's what it's coded to whereas like tomasi super sun stuff has I would say even with like being about younger characters has still kind of skewed towards older readers. Um, yeah, kids don't want to read about bodies being dropped off on steps. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think, I think there was just like a bit of like a, um, like whiplash in reading the story. And so, yeah, it, Yeah. You know, again, like I, I, I'm trying to balance two things, right? On one hand, I think that most kids who are reading comics don't need this explained to them, right? Like they are growing up in a world where this is far more normal and accepted than it was when we were th- that age, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so on one hand, I feel like maybe there's not as much of a need for this explanatory of a piece where maybe it would have been better to just, you know, show them being accepting instead of like spelling out every little thing. But on the other hand, this is going, if there's someone out there who's dumb enough to get their like social commentary from superhero comics and this makes them think about something, then that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say one other thing about it? Sure. Uh, this is not this is not the best reason to 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 do something like this obviously and it's it's um i know it's a it's a thing that's said online a lot like oh the worst people in the world are gonna hate it and that's why it's good right like that that, i mean there is some merit to that uh but it's really more of a i mean we should be telling stories like this in the name of inclusion not 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 in the name of pissing certain people off you know right yeah it's more like a side benefit. <laughs> um, but what I will say along those lines is I, I I know from being online and from reading, and this is not, this is going to be, um, I'm stereotyping a little here, but the, 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 the kind of comics gate sympathetic people like to point to super sons as a thing where it's like, oh, that was a that was a good DC comic, and then they aged up John and they ruined it. So I can picture, you know, somebody out there who doesn't like diversity in comics or whatever, like rubbing their hands together, going, ah, we're gonna get some classic Tomasi Super Sons here, and then <laughs> and they then, open it up. Let and me take like, a sip of this milk right before I start reading it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that exactly. that is that is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. All right. You've changed my mind on this. This is great. Best story ever. Um, <laughs> well, okay. I'm not saying that. But... I know. Now let's get back to that Green Arrow and Speedy story. Uh, the Mike Norton art here is amazing. Um, Mike Norton's just fantastic. And I thought this was a really good story about sort of uh, Ollie being a parent, sort of walking that line between being like enabling the superhero side with neglecting the Roy side and you know, I just thought it was it was a very well handled story, and I uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Zach, what'd you think of it? Uh, I I thought this one was it it was fine. It was maybe like it, it was probably in the bottom half for me, just because I thought it was a little generic. Um, 
but it wasn't bad by any means. Vince? Um, I think this is one that was a little like, this is one that oddly was a little bit overwritten or a little bit preachy for me. Um, just cause it was a lot of, uh, a lot of Roy and, and Ollie verbally hashing out issues with one another. Um, that said, I think it's a, I think the way it's approached is pretty measured. And, and I think, you know, the, like Ollie's character and the way he reacts to Roy and then, you know, the lesson he learns at the end or whatever is fairly true to his care, feels true to his character. And I think it's something that like, you know, as we raise kids, um, it's a lesson. It, it is a lesson for us that, that maybe we do need to keep in mind a little bit, you know, um, not that, it, not that a comic book is going to teach me much about parenting or whatever, but I do, th- I, there's, there's some, again, there's something to this. There's somebody that maybe needs to hear it. Right. I, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Um, as a, as a comic though, it was like less exciting, I think. I understand that. I suppose I, I felt like this was one of the more successful stories in the sense of it. Like it's pretty easy to come up with a weird, like back to school is kind of a weird topic to do stories about. And a lot of these stories were just sort of tangentially about school. But this one was actually about school. Mm-hmm. I, I I appreciated that piece of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed this, you know, uh, a fair amount. Um, yeah. So next up, we have uh, Tiny Titans in Peacemaking with Art and Franco. This is a Tiny Titans uh, Suicide Squad story. And, and Zach, you were alluding to this before, so why don't you start us off with this one? I mean, it's very, very cool to see Tiny Titans again. I feel like this was, like, such a staple in comics when I was getting into comics. Like, um, this this wasn't something I read myself, but when I, when I was getting into comics, um, uh, my wife's little brother was, like, the perfect my age wife. for this, and my wife, and I, I would, like, get hit these for him, and he really liked them, and... It, you know, this was just like one of the, the the like I feel like genuinely beloved and like critically acclaimed things that DC did. That was kind of uh, just so so much different than than everything else that they were publishing at the time. And it, it was just a sign, I think, of like how healthy the the industry was that it could support something like this. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's and it's been a while since I th- I feel like we've seen a tiny tiny story from from this team. So very cool that it made it in here. Yeah, I mean I I think the tiny titans is, I mean it's obviously very very much its own thing, right? Like if this is not your particular cup of meat, you're not going to be sold on it because of this story. But I think that this is a very fun tiny titan story, and it manages to make the Suicide Squad not that annoying. And that's that's saying something. <laughs> Not to me. <laughs> We're aware. We're aware. <laughs> what about you, Vincey? Um, this is maybe. Hang on, I'm going to sneeze here. <sighs> oh, sorry. Bless couldn't you, sir. couldn't couldn't reach for the mute in time. Right. Um. Uh, this is maybe my actually least favorite Art and Franco thing. I think I've read, and I think it's because again, it's a James Gunn Suicide Squad riff. <laughs> um, that's not their fault, but but I I just don't oh, I just don't I don't know I don't like that team. I guess hey, they're um, in it also, for so little. Yeah, but I mean that was my lasting impression of it. Um, I just don't think they're interesting. I just don't think Peacemaker's interesting. I just you know, I'm happy to see the art every time, but I th- this was probably the slightest story in the whole thing. By Vince, a long it, shot. it has it has a fucking I should have taken a left turn at Albuquerque joke. You that I, this is this is made for you. 
Yeah, so does so does every issue of Looney Tunes, I guess. Yeah, and you love that book. You made us read an issue of it once. <laughs> All right, whatever. I just I I guess I was just turned off yet again by by, by a, suicide, a squad? suicide Squad aesthetic that I don't care for. Yeah. I I genuinely and generally like Art and Franco stuff. I'm not I'm not knocking them. I just ugh, just more of this shit. <laughs> that's what I that's what I thought when I saw Peacemaker. <laughs> sure. And next, we have a Black Lightning story called This Is Why, written by Brandon Thomas, illustrated by Craig Cernak. Um, I, I think we're all pretty sold on the Brandon Thomas. Uh, Sir Mac, sorry. Craig Sir Mac, not Sir Mac. Uh, I think, you know, Brandon Thomas has proven that he is a good fit for the Black Lightning character. And um, this is a rare story that harkens back to the time when Lex Luthor was president of the United States, which I guess is still in continuity, which is kind of fun. Cause well, why not? Yeah, th- th- there was another comic that did that recently. What, what was that? I don't remember now. Oh man. We just saw it like within the last month. Really? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, keep, keep, keep talking. No, what but... I was going to say is, you know, I, I like that that status quo is being referenced. I like the sort of um, the idea behind why Jefferson would take that position. I think that that reads true to his character. And I think that Thomas is a really good job of making Black Lightning a character that is just as interesting without the costume as he is with the costume. So I think this is this is a pretty good little story. I mean, not not the most not the not the greatest Black Lightning story I've ever read, but you know, a thoroughly enjoyable ten pages or whatever it was. Somebody else. Um, I I thought this was a really interesting story. It's <clears throat> it's weird to read this in like like a post-Trump world <laughs> because like you can't help but read Lex as Trump. I think, or I couldn't. Yeah. The difference is that, uh, is that Trump is actually not the world's smartest man just claims to be. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, so it's like, it's like weird to see a story of someone kind of like justifying working for a Trump figure by like being the resistance on the inside, because that was like such a narrative in the Trump administration. <laughs> and it, it was always kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, uh, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> this is the, the Mueller report. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, uh, Twitter, Twitter blue check liberals would freaking love, uh, Jefferson, if they knew what he was doing behind the scenes, right? Exactly, exactly. But <laughs> but I think that like, I think if it's where Thomas is coming from in oh, the story, oh yeah. it's oh, a really no, good no, place. No, I'm not I'm not mocking it. I'm I'm saying it's it's a it's a corollary to something that's very real. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it we is cool just to see a... mocker, folks. <laughs> what you notice? I said we love Miss Tessmacher, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think where Thomas is coming from is a really good place, and I think it's a cool use of the character. It's a cool use of the time frame. Uh, so I, I generally liked it quite a bit. Vince, yeah, oh yeah, de- de- definitely same. I think it's it again. It it shows what a smart writer Brandon Thomas is. Um, I, I don't think I can say it any better than, than, than you guys did already. Um, the, uh, the place that we recently saw president Lex was the young justice, dark crisis tie in mini because they went back to, ah, yes. I think I missed the, I think I missed the episode. You guys talked about that issue. Okay. Yeah. 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 But anyway, yeah, I, I second the stuff that you guys said about it. I think it was, I think it was uh, pretty smart and, and again, reflective of something that's very real in the social political schema that we yeah. live and, in right now. And I do want to just put in a quick caveat that like, I don't want to like 
be accused of just like having recency bias and in comparing this explicitly to Trump, you you could probably make the comparison to like any single sitting president. It's just like Trump is fresh and like Lex is, I think the closest analog to like, like the way that the Lex presidency was played in the DCU is very much the way that we yeah, popul- might... populism and a famous guy. And, yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. You guys imagine Lex saying things like, "I'm the only one who can solve this issue." Yeah, right? yeah. So. Plus, it's fun to do the voice. <laughs> I don't even really, I don't even really do a Trump anymore. I just do a, I, I just sound like a like an eager goblin or something. <laughs> 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 That's Trump. <laughs> uh, well, next we get uh, another. Uh, man 2022 the year of asriel am i right uh asriel in how angels are made by dan waters and juan ferreira um vincey you're the uh you're the asriel boy as of late start us off yeah with this. i'm also the juan ferreira boy um yeah i i mean i think this was uh, i think this was a really good extension of what waters is doing it doesn't have a direct it's not directly uh, coming before or after uh, something, so you, you don't have to have read um, Waters' other Asriel stuff to get this. Um, but I think it's very true to that character, and it fits in the um, sort of look and feel and the way... Yeah, like the aesthetic of the character under Waters. It, it all fits... And I can see Asriel as this, as this boy that's, that's, you know, tortured for asking too many questions or questioning the, the, the monks or who or the religion, you know, whoever the, the the priest is. Um, yeah, it's just more strong work on this character from waters. I'm really fascinated that they're just letting him take this character and, 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 and mold it into something different and new you know i i like this one a lot uh let me see if uh if zach had the same pedantic response to this i did oh i don't i don't know if i had a pedantic response Oh boy you're gonna have some like religious but uh, i yes i already know what you're saying yeah yeah is it the gospel thing yes it was it was that (laughs) any any person who considers themselves a man of the cloth should know that the story of lot is not in the gospels (laughs) yes yeah i did i did catch that uh (laughs) no i really you know i i too am a Azrael appreciator i am a an enjoyer of dan waters comics and i also really like Juan Ferreira's art. I thought this stunk. I thought this was real cringy. Oh man, really? Yeah, I thought the like dialogue was so overwrought, and like the inner monologue was just so. Oh, it felt exactly like any other one of these. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the brevity of it. That the fact that that's like all it was. I I did not care for it. I, I didn't care for the the premise of. It's just some random ass flashback about some plot to make him Azrael out faster. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't like this really at all. It's probably this was probably my least favorite story in the whole issue, honestly. Wow. As usual, Brian, somewhere in between. I was, I was, I was literally about to say that sentence. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that uh, Juan Ferreira's art is pretty good here. I like how different, I like how he can do such different styles within the within just such a short story. I thought that was impressive, and um, I think this will make a fine addition to the Dan Waters Asriel omnibus we're gonna get one day. But it wasn't anything you know too special or too interesting to me. Mm, I almost hope they leave it out. <laughs> You're such a grump. I love it. The art was good. Uh, the art was really good. Yeah, Ferrer is just fantastic. Uh, all right, last up in this story, in this book, we have Nightwing and Batgirl in A Night Off by Andrew Aiden and Nelson Daniel. You guys know I'm the Dick Babs boy, and I loved every bit of this. 
it, it was really cute. And really the only thing I have to say about it is there's like a weird part in the issue where it seems like Babs is about to tell Dick something uh, really important. And then it gets, they get interrupted by the goons and then it's never addressed again. I think she was just going to tell him that like, cause it, it, isn't he saying something like, we're just going as friends. Isn't she supposed to, I think she was supposed to be like, well, I, I want to go with you anyway. Like it, it seemed to me like it was going to be like a little kissy, kissy romance thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You you're, know. you're probably right. And it's something that like after getting to the end and kind of like expecting a resolution there, not getting it, I was like, okay, we probably didn't need it because the, the subtext is there, but it still felt a little bit like a, uh, uh, there wasn't like that resolution note to cap it off. It just kind of ends. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just found it mild, mildly dissatisfying in that way. Sure. Um, Vincy. Um, it was, this was just, it was fine. It was anodyne. Um, nothing wrong with it. Uh, very cute. I liked the art, but ultimately I don't remember what happened to it other than they went to prom and Mr. Freeze attacked and, uh, and the Batman, the animated series, Alfred is in this. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. True. Um, there was one note I had on this, which was there's, a, so there's, they're both in the, in the limo and they have to like de superhero, and so they're they're both looking away. <laughs> What's funny? This part is funny. Well, what I was going to say is, I believe this exact same thing happened in an issue of the Chris Wild Goose illustrated Batgirl. Like, like when uh, they where, had to where turn Dick away from peeps out of the yes. reflection in the mirror. Yes. Yes, I believe that exact same thing happened in another issue, which is just a very specific thing that happened twice. <laughs> um. Oh, Dick doesn't respect but, women very much, does he? Dick's just very horny. We know this. Oh, well, we do know this. I mean, who can blame him? Am I right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, overall, <coughs> this was a fine anthology. This gave, you, gave us a lot to talk about. And yeah, I actually, I stuff. mostly enjoyed this. I'm going to say uh, this is the best thing I read this week. All right. The anthology? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's take a break and we come back. We'll talk about our last two books of the week. So stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with a look at the Flash 2022 annual Love on the Run, written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Sir, uh, sorry, Seg Acuna. And um, <laughs> the majority of this is a romance novel that Linda wrote. And it is dumb fun, but it's both dumb and fun. And it looks pretty nice. It was Serge Acuna. My my photo autocorrected to Seg Serge Acuna. Um, anyway, Billy I don't have much East. to say about this. What was that? <laughs> Billy East. Billy East. Yes. Uh, uh, it, this was this was fine though. This was fun. It it was cute. I really liked the art. Um, make make this person a regular Flash artist. I think. Well, we we have we have had not great flash artists since yeah. uh, <clears throat> since the frontier started. So yeah. Also, also, Wally could probably rock this this hairstyle, <laughs> uh, just all the time. We don't have a mm-hmm. lot of long haired men in the DCU. 
That's why I need to be incorporated into the DCU. You do, like, you color, do. Are, are, can, we, can we think of any? I guess Azrael is one of the only ones I can think of right now. Azrael. Um, yeah, there's certain eras, you know, like there's. An uh, yeah, era I mean, like Clark currently, has, though. Yeah. Right. 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 Um. Uh, I miss when Dick had a ponytail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, there's an amazing story. I can't remember. Oh, excuse me. I can't remember uh, what era it was. I think it was the 90s. But when there's a Bruce gets into a disguise as, and he's disguised as like a tech bro. And he gives himself a long ponytail and glasses. And he, he looks like he would like have several samurai swords mounted on his wall. <laughs> Dick, I mean, an, Bruce it's an probably does have look. several. He literally does. He yeah. definitely he does. He probably does. Yeah, he would he'd wear those... Um, those anime Hawaiian shirts, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, what a I, great look think, for him. I mean, what, who could blame him? I'm trying to think what a hipster version <laughs> of the of the of Matches Malone would be called. Uh, like uh, Vape Malone? <laughs> can, can you believe that we dodged having... Maybe we didn't dodge it, and I just forgot it, but that we that we dodged a, like, man bun Dick Grayson? Yeah, I don't think there's been one. I think you're right. Yeah, thank goodness. Um... I really liked all the costumes in this. Wally yes. and the rogues costumes, ten out of ten. They look great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, again, I, I have very little to say about this. It's just a very fun, weird little annual. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of end on a bit of a cliffhanger here, where <laughs> Linda might be pregnant. <clears throat> yeah, what? yeah. What? She's craving gelato again. <laughs> Do you think that's why she has powers? Oh, that's not bad, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Oh God, the the implications of that. Brody Brody Bruce is uh, somewhere <laughs> yeah. a light bulb went over his head. Uh, that's that's not bad, though. Zach. That's good. Uh, Vince, yeah. anything to add to this? Uh, no, I I really liked it. Lots of fun. I loved the I loved that it was essentially an issue of. The Flash with a with an alternate universe team, uh, despite it being a, ro- a romance novel uh, in in the in the Prime universe. Um, yeah, I love the designs. Um, the art was really great, really fun. Um, yeah, I, I more stories like this. You know, I I would love more stories like this where they don't feel the need to advance the main plot along, but they tell a story that's very like, this is grounded in the relationships of these characters, even though it tells you a proper superhero story, like it's advancing the Wally and Linda stuff more, more than more than most comics in the DC are allowed to advance relationships. These, these days, you know? Um, and I, so I love the, I love what they're focusing on here. Yeah, I agree with that. And then to end it to end it on the possible pregnancy sort of teaser cliffhanger is perfect for an issue that may as well be a soap opera, you know? Yes, exactly. It, it, it felt very, very appropriate for the uh, the story that was being told. But yeah, another shout out to Acuna for the art. It's uh, a really, a really nice looking story. And uh, this reminded me, actually, of the annuals we were getting in the 90s, where sometimes the annual was the most important story of the year, and sometimes it was absolutely the least important story of the year. <laughs> yeah. And there was sort of no discerning telling when you're going into a book whether what it was going to be. That's kind of yeah. how this felt. So I do uh, love that after decades and decades, we haven't figured out what the purpose of an annual is. Exactly. I, I love it. Comics are so good in that way. Yes, agreed. All right, well, that brings us to our final issue of the week, which was Superman War World Apocalypse number one, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, illustrated it was, by. It was actually in Action Comics. What? It was Action Comics. No, this is called Superman War World Apocalypse one. Oh, it's a it's a one shot. You're right. Okay, yes. okay. Excuse me. 
written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Excuse me. Excuse me. Illustrated by Brandon Peterson, Will Conrad, Max Rayner, and Miguel Mendonca. Um, Zach, Mendoza. you'll have to forgive me. Mendoza, I just sorry. binged way too many issues of Action Comics to get ready for this, and now my wow. brain is mush. Well, you shouldn't have done that. That was no good. Well, I thought I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna have you start because you did binge the whole World World Saga leading up to this. So. Tell us no, I, not the whole, but like the la- like the preceding eight issues that I hadn't read. So like okay. the second and third act or whatever. Yeah. Woof. I feel like I, I don't, I feel like I speak for all of us, but maybe it was just me that I had a lot of hope uh, for this storyline going into it. And uh, a lot of piffle, a whole lot of nothing. Huge so disappointment. I- so I had not read anything since the last time we covered the book on the show. And I just my my thought was I'm going to go in and if there's anything that I can't glean from this issue, I will go seek it out. And I never sought it out because there was I got everything I needed from that issue. And my problem with that is that this story ran for like half a year. It ran for more than that. It, it was it, more than that? I'm it, pretty positive it was 12 issues plus this. Okay. If I'm so not ran, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check. So it basically ran for a year. And I feel like if you had asked me after that first issue, which was really good, when Superman, when they revealed that he's actually depowered a little bit, like all that stuff, if you had asked me after that, how is the story going to end? I would basically have told you what happened in this issue. Like there's, it, it, it took a year to tell a story that seems absolutely predictable and it didn't take any real chances whatsoever. And if that's the case, then why are you telling the story? Like the whole point of telling serialized stories is to be able to pivot and change things and make things unusual and unexpected and, you know, just, just to play with expectation and this didn't play with any expectation, at least not for me. This feels about as milk toast a uh, a version of the stories you can get. Just no big swings and misses. Even the big moment of like um, that uh, Impact Universe Flash character dying was undone. Like nothing happened. <clears throat> Everything was kind of reset. Right. So it was so 1036 was the first world, first part of World World. So 1036 to 1046, that's 11 issues. There was also an annual and this. So, okay. so I didn't read the years. annual because it didn't look like it counted. So 12, 12 issues total, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zach, do you agree having to reread it all? Doesn't yeah. So, like so the thing is, my, my problem with this. End? Um, is that like you said, the opening was really good. Basically, the the book was good until Daniel Sampier left, is what I'll say. Um, That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not because I think the art got bad. That's not the argument I'm going to make. It's just from that point on, like, I can't decide if the scope of this story was just too big. to do in a satisfying way. I almost, I feel like that's maybe what it is because like this arc focused on such a small cast of characters while telling this like huge, like, uh, you know, you, you go in, I got the impression that, you know, like Johnson was like crafting this kind of like really big epic story, but it never, it never feels epic. It always feels very small and not like in a small intimate like personal way, just in a small, like narrowly focused kind of way. And it's filled with just these MacGuffins and kind of Deus Ex Machina, uh, you know, like plot machinations that just happen out of nowhere to, to move the plot forward in a, in a really unsatisfying way. The characters aren't interesting. Like the Phalosians are, are like not explored in any, in any interesting way. Um, the the two most interesting things about it are the the way it, it, the the war world origins getting rooted in like the first world gods is like kind of an interesting thing but even that's not explored very well 
Um, honestly, the most interesting thing about this whole thing is that, uh, so you know the little baby that's being carried around in the jar, the yes. Death Stranding character? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. That is revealed to be the unborn child of these two characters who were monitoring the source wall when Justice League No Justice happened and the source wall <laughs> split open. Okay. They the parents were bathed in source energy and this like robot that's like tasked with taking care of them basically like uh, like extricates the unborn child from the dead mother's womb and then like grows it and they like grow together and so that like robot that like is with the baby the uh what's darling is is the robot from that so that baby has like source wall energy from justice league no justice which is the most bonkers callback i think for this book to make it's (laughs) totally wacky um but yeah nothing over the course of those issues like really did anything interesting. And so then when you get to this issue, it all just resolves in this like very just by the numbers way. And there, there was really almost nothing to resolve other than like defeating Mongol and, and like getting the characters who had been made bad, good again. And then at the end, Clark just goes back to earth and it's like, it's like this whole story really didn't happen is, is kind of how it feels. Although, you know, there are lingering threads well, that like, we don't know if we'll be picked up on or not, but it, it just feels so uh, dissatisfying. I think. Doesn't he basically like, if I was reading it right, get like repowered up to his original level because of that white sun. It seems that way, yeah. Even the like, it I even undoes like, that cool it, thing, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It really is just like putting the toys back in the box, and in a story that at the get go seemed to be pretty, I won't say revolutionary, but like uh, uh, playing it a lot less safe than Superman stories have in a long time. And this, it, it this story is extremely safe. I will say. I mean, DC compared it in their literature, and I know that they have to be hyperbolic, right? But they had said this was the biggest Superman story since the death and return of Superman. Yeah, that I. That's in <laughs> right? no way true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think I think New Krypton is a much bigger story than this. <laughs> I I I think Super Doom is a bigger story than this. Of course you do. Of course you do, <laughs> Vincey. What do you think of this? Um, I, I, the only thing I want to add, I want to echo all the stuff that, that Zach said. The one thing I want to add is he, he called the characters not interesting. The, the Phaelosians or, or any of the supporting cast. The biggest crime is that none of Superman's, uh, uh, authority team are interesting either. These are all characters that we saw Morrison write in that mini series. And, <laughs> they're also boring here um i i i it's it's kind of a crime because it's such an interesting team and i know somebody's gonna send an assassin to my house and and kill me if i mention morrison on this show one more time but and nobody does it like morrison right like it's unrealistic expectations i suppose but we just saw this same team written with so much flavor and so interestingly uh, and 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 now in in this they just kind of peter out as these also rans um oh yeah absolutely and and they do nothing over the course of the arc either yeah uh, midnighter does some stuff but just, not even um I think like the best character moment in this, you know, outside of, I guess, like some okay Superman lines is you have that character. um, I I forget his name, but he's the one who sacrifices himself to like ignite the white sun or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he gives this whole like, you know, death monologue, little like soliloquy of, you know, all the things he's done in his life, you know, this very interesting life. And, 
Kennedy is like seemingly doing all of this world building that that is ultimately for nothing. None of this will ever be explored. And this character was kind of just set dressing for most of the arc, honestly. And then he, he gets this big moment that does not really feel earned in any way. Um, and isn't he okay at the end too? No, he dies. I think. Oh, he's the one that dies. Okay, yeah, dies. He, the, yeah, he yeah, does die. Um, yeah. So I, I have a question about this for you boys. Do you think if this was a month long event where you could have distilled this into four issues, we'd be feeling differently about it? I mean, definitely, I would have liked it more. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think so, too. Honestly, it, it did not need 12 issues. Um, absolutely not. Um, it's it's It really is... It seems to me like Philip Kennedy Johnson like had a lot of like big ideas, and I, I don't know like what happened along the way. Um, it's just it, it, the execution just feels really weird. Um, I, I expected like a lot more with the like Phalogian history to be explored, which like maybe he's going to get to that stuff. I don't know, but. Um, spoiler alert he's not <laughs> i yeah i don't know i don't know like there's so much left over at the end of this story it, it's kind of it's really surprising to me um how little resolution there is other than like mongol is dead you know um i do i do think it's interesting there's this character who this phalogian character who like portrayed it betrayed him and is now kind of like running war world and this kind of splinter sect and, and, and the, like the stuff with going after the United planets, that stuff is still all kind of interesting to me, but I kind of, I kind of have no faith that it's going to be followed up on in a satisfying way. So, right. Um, I, I guess the one good thing I'll say about this issue is there are times when the art is, is good, I think, or, there, there are there are bits of art that I like, and it's hard for me to pinpoint like who is the artist in those pages. But um, like that section with that the character whose name I don't know who like sacrifices himself, I thought that all looked really good. Especially the coloring in that section, I thought was good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I seeing the names on the cover of this issue when I when I started to read it, I, I didn't have a lot of high hopes for this issue artistically, but I, I thought it actually looked pretty good and a lot more cohesive than I expected it to. I'll agree with the cohesive part, and I think it's also uh, I know you are probably the bigger of the fan of the three of us of uh, Ricardo Federici's art, mm-hmm. who was doing a big chunk of this. But I yeah, was but he's, he wasn't, wasn't actually even on this issue. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I think I was just relieved he wasn't on the issue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this must have been the Goodwill Conrad because I can't pick out any pages that look particularly Will Conrad-y. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, Vincey, what do we have next week? Mm, let me just back up here I, I have it i have the box i just i was in the current week okay we have uh batman 127 batman neo batman beyond neo year six batman dear detective number one um dark crisis on infinite earths four dark knights of steel tales from the three kingdoms number one flashpoint beyond number five multiversity teen justice number four Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, number four. Poison Ivy, number four. Sword of Asriel, number two. And the new champion of Shazam, number two. I like to believe that Batman Deer Detective is spelled D-E-E-R. And it's about him <laughs> solving some like woodland type cases. Yes, absolutely. I would greatly prefer that to what that book actually is. <laughs> um, if you need to find us, two-thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. And I'm at The Woke of Z. If you need to find Vince, he is helping his friend draft a fantasy football league that he has no business being in. <laughs> it's me. Uh, yeah. Me, folks. I'm trying to fit in at work. Um, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more goofs and, uh, and I guess, just goofs. So, we'll talk to you guys later. Goofs. Bye. Goofs.
Man, the prequels are so good. 